So rescue, we believe at Everlife that our purpose in our lives, our God-given purpose is that we would not just receive from God, not just be transformed by God, but actually that we will transform the world, that God will transform the world through us. And so it's important to note that what God does through you doesn't end in you. What God wants to do in you is actually like a representation of what he wants to do through you to the world. You know, your salvation doesn't end with you. Your hope doesn't end with you. And, and your peace and your freedom, you know, your blessings don't end with you, but they're meant to flow through you to other people. And so as we walk in our Christian journey, then it's not just about us getting ourselves right, but it's about us figuring out where God wants to place us to save people, to, to, to help people and walk alongside people. Uh, um, yeah, it doesn't end with me. Each of us has a purpose that involves us using our God-given gifts to help other people. Now, C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all of the cathedrals, the clergy, the missions, the sermons, even the Bible itself are a waste of time. God became man for no other reason. Now, in other words, everything we do is for the purpose of helping other people encounter God, giving them the opportunity to encounter God. And so everything we do in this church is for the purpose of giving other people the opportunity to encounter the hope and the love and, and the freedom that we have first encountered. And so it doesn't end with me. It goes through me to other people. Now, God wants to amplify his glory through you. Isn't that an amazing concept? Isn't that an amazing concept that God wants to partner with you? He wants to work through you, that we as broken vessels, as broken people can be used by God. And so when we talk about purpose, it's about where God wants us to be to amplify himself. Um, you know, it's coming into the busy season at um, shopping centers. Who's been to a shopping center recently? Yeah, I, I was at a shopping center yesterday. And I always find it so fascinating going and trying to find a car park. Because at this time of the year, you get two very distinct types of parkers. You get the people who want the good car park, and they, they will just drive in and they will take the first thing they see. They don't care whether it's close to the door, whether it's in the sun, they will just take the first thing they see on the outskirts. You know, it's probably closer to their own home than it is, is to the shopping center doors, but they'll take it because it's there. And so they're the people that, they know their place in life. They don't want anything special. They just want to be practical, get in, do what they need to do and get out. But then, then there are the people who want the great parking spots. They're the people who drive into the shopping center car park, drive past all the good car parks. Like there's like 500 car parks over here, but they don't want them. They want to drive right to the shopping center doors and they'll wait and they'll just wait and be patient and be still until someone walks out of the shops and they'll slowly crawl behind them and crawl behind them really creepily until they reach their car and they'll flick their indicator on as quick as possible. And it's like the fight to see who can get the indicator on the first. And they take that car park. And I think it's the same for our lives. There's people who want the good things and they'll settle and they'll, and they'll do what it takes just to do the good things. But then there are people who will risk all the good things in order to receive God's great purpose for our lives. But here's the thing about that is in order to receive the great plan God has for you, it takes risking 
the good things. It takes maybe missing out on the opportunity to do these good things. It means maybe passing up on, on the safe options, but actually stepping out into the unknown, into faith, and trusting in God. You know, there's this guy in the Bible called Abraham, and I think it's really well illustrated through Abraham, this whole idea of God's purpose for your life. See, Abraham was 75 years old when God met with him and said, I want to give you a child. You and your wife, I want to give you a child at this age. And it was this incredible promise, and they had faith in the moment, but over the years, as years went on, in the, as the unknown went on, their faith began to waver. You know, it's, it, it was this... It was this big call that God made. And I don't know about you, but if I was 75 and God said, hey, I'm going to give you a child, um, I, would be, I would go through my own questioning of that process, you know. Um, and so they were faithful in the end. And, um, you know, through going left and right a little bit, they, they remained on track and God gave them a child at the age of 100. At the age of 100, they had Isaac. And so here's Abraham, Sarah, and, and, um, and Isaac. And we pick up this story in Genesis 22 where um, this idea of, question, of, of giving up the good to, get, to receive the great um, really comes into reality for, for Abraham. It says in Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here, uh, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, who you, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. So God speaks to Abraham and says, hey, I need you to sacrifice your son to worship me. Like, I need you to actually, you know, as they would in the olden days, go get a sacrifice, place it on an altar, kill it, and then light it on fire to sacrifice to God, to, to worship God, to say that, hey, I love you, God, more than this good thing in my life. And so, and so um, Abraham begins this journey, he, he gets up the next morning, starts walking. It's a three-day journey to this mountain called Mora. A three-day journey. And on the way, um, Isaac is like, Abraham, you know, Dad, we've got the fire. We've got, you know, we've got everything we need. We've got the knife. It's all set. Where's the sacrifice? If we're going to sacrifice, where's the sacrifice? He begins to get suspicious along the way at some point or another. He's a, he's a smart man, Isaac. And um, and so we pick up in, in verse 9. It says, When they reached the place God had told him, um, Abraham built an, altar, built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, uh, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do a thing to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place where um, the Lord will provide. And to this day it said on the mountain of the Lord um, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And said, and, and here's the really cool bit. This is the pivotal moment of the story. It says, The angel of the Lord representing God said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities 
and of the and of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me so god speaks to abraham and calls him to sacrifice his son and abraham was obedient to that abraham even went as far as tying his son up and putting him on the altar taking out his knife raising it and that's when god intervened and and because abraham had come to that place of of being obedient to god there was a blessing there was a greater blessing. And so for Abraham, he was willing to give up the good thing in his life in order to receive the great thing. You know, we are all blessed in many different ways. We are blessed with many good things. There are many things we can point to in our lives that are good. You know, jobs, relationships, um, you know, family, friends, uh, careers, study, all of these are good things. But it's important to note that they're not the totality of the good work that God wants to do through you. And so we can't hold on to these things. We can't be tight-handed, but we need to be like Abraham and be open-handed. You know, Abraham was willing to risk Isaac in order to follow God. God wanted to know whether Abraham was willing to receive the gift in order to receive, uh, willing to risk the gift in order to receive the gift giver. You know, whether he was willing to lose everything he had loved, everything he had loved on this world in order to receive God. Now, I wonder what we're willing to risk. I wonder what, in our physical lives, we're willing to risk in order to follow God. I wonder what we're willing to, to maybe not get in order just to be obedient and follow God. There are many good things in our lives that we can hold on to, but what if we were just to have loose hands? You know, we have this saying in Everlife that we are just on this journey running towards God, and uh, we're just running towards Christ. And as we run towards Christ, we just bring people along on the journey. But who knows that in order to run towards something, you also have to run away from something. You have to be willing to, to leave something behind in order to receive something new. And so that's the journey that we're on. You know, if Abraham had held on to Isaac, then he never would have received the big picture, the big blessing. Like the whole rest of the Bible is about Abraham's descendants. Like, this story begins with, like, Abraham, and he was one of the key people in it. Could you imagine if he had held on to this small blessing that he had, that he thought was amazing, he thought was great, but God had something bigger and something better for him? You know, are we ready to risk, live a risky life in order to receive the fullness that Christ has for our lives, the fullness of our purpose? Is that good? Are we good? All right, we're going to go three points. First point is that God... God's plan has a price tag. God's plan for your life has a price tag. Now, this isn't salvation. Your salvation doesn't have a price tag. That's grace. That comes for free. You can enter a relationship with God right now. It doesn't cost you anything. But if you want to see the fullness of God through your life, then that has a price tag. If you want to follow God, then it has a price tag. In Abraham's heart, on this three-day journey, he had already come to a place where he had sacrificed his son. He had already given up his son. Could you imagine, you know, being on that three-day journey um, and, and all the questions and doubting that would have happened in his mind? He had three days of those battles in his mind to give up his son. Like for Abraham, his son was everything. It was, his son was God in a person, you know? It was the blessing of God, the hand of God in his life. And for him to give that up, for him to, to give that up um, and walk on that journey for three days knowing what he was going to do, Man, that's some, that's some mental battles. And Abraham was willing to risk his credibility. You know, all the people that looked up to him as a man of God. His wife, his wife didn't know about it. Could you imagine if you did something like that and your wife didn't know about it? 
I'm not married yet, but I could imagine that would start some problems. And by the time they got there, Abraham would have fully known in his heart that at the cost of everything, his relationship, you know, his credibility, what other people thought of God, his, his everything, at the cost of everything, he was being obedient to God. You know, it costs Abraham his whole life. And if we are really willing to pursue God in our lives, if we really want God in our lives, then it might actually cost us something. It might actually force us to look at our lives and say, hey, all these things are great, but I actually want God more than I want these things. And we pray for all these things, but are we really pursuing God when we do that? You know, what are some of the old things that needs, to, that needs to be placed on the altar in order for us to receive something new? You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone um, and the new is here. What are some things that we need to sacrifice? You know, old priorities, old, old commitments, old uh, desires in our lives, old comforts that we have that make us feel good. You know, do you have things in your life that need to move in order to receive what God has for you? Is there anything we are willing to place on the altar in order to just be obedient and follow God. Um, I am getting married in four weeks to Ash over here. And, uh, you know, single life was great. I loved it. I was single for, what, 21 years? It was awesome. It was, it was good. It was a lot of fun. In my single life, you know, I had control of money and, you know, my plans. I had a lot of free time. You know, free time's great. But here's the thing, in order for me to receive the fullness of the blessing of marriage, I have to risk losing control of those things. Um, in your life, many single people here, many people in new relationships, if you want to receive the fullness of marriage for your life, you have to risk the old things. You have to risk losing some stuff. And it's the same with our relationship with God. As we are new creations, we have to risk losing the old, losing control of the old. Isn't that a scary thought when you're not in control anymore? You know, what are some old things that we need to the risk, just like marriage, um, in order to receive the new? Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the, new, uh, now, uh, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, when Christ died, when Jesus died on the cross for you, then the old me died. The old sinful self died. And at the cost of everything, I now follow him. In the pursuit of God, in the pursuit of God's purpose for our life, we need to be willing to place some things on the altar. You know, God's purpose has a price tag. Number two, point number two is that God, God's great things come at the cost of your good things. Let me say that one more time. God's great things come at the cost of your good things. You know, just like the different car park stories where you have to risk losing the old in order to receive the, uh, risk losing the good in order to receive the great. If you want God's great, then there are some good things in your life that aren't necessarily God things that you need to risk. You need to be willing to part ways with. For Abraham, he had, he had like, God had fulfilled his promise to him. God had said, I'm going to give you a son. And it happened. But Abraham's son wasn't the fullness of God's plan for his life. 
And just, just like us, there are some good things God has placed in our lives. Jobs, money, finance, careers, all these good things, all these blessings. But we can hold tight to them and forget that actually God has something bigger for your life. God has something greater for your life. And we don't want to miss out on that. We don't want to miss the opportunity to follow God. Could there be things in your life that look good and they sound good, but they're actually robbing you of what God really wants to do in your life? They're actually robbing you. you know, blessings can be great, but the devil can also use these good things in order to pull you away. There's nothing wrong with money. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with, with wanting a career or, or being placed in certain things, but it's when you begin to follow them instead of following God. Just like Abraham, if he was following Isaac instead of following God, then he would have gone the wrong direction. But who knows that our journey as a Christian is to just chase after God. We can't veer to the left, can't veer to the, lot, to the right, but we just need to pursue our purpose. But it comes at the cost of some good things in our lives. It comes at the cost of maybe risking some things in our lives. Um... You know, there's some friendships. Maybe they don't seem like they're a bad influence on you. Maybe they, they, they don't seem like they're, um, you know, speaking down or, or, or doing, doing anything bad. But when you look at the fruit, when you look at the fruit of that friendship, it's not actually pointing you towards God. Maybe there are some relationships that, you know, they're Christian. They say they're Christian, but when it, when it comes down to them, is their life centered after Christ? That's an important thing. Are you heading in the same direction? Or is it like a car with a you know, bad steering wheel alignment and you're slowly veering off course? You know? is, is, is your relationship the good thing that isn't necessarily the great thing that God has for you? You know, maybe it's, it's work and it's a blessing to have a job and it's great to be in financial security, but the lure of money and financial security can sometimes replace our desire for God. Isn't that a real thing? I think I've probably struggled with all of these things at some point, you know? It's like all of these things are good things and they're blessings and we can pray for them and they're great. But our number one priority in life needs to be to chase after God and His purpose that He has set out for you. If there's something in your life that appears good but that isn't leading you to God, then it might be time to place that on the altar and say, God, I'm after you again. God, I want to chase you again. At the cost of the good, I want to receive your great. Is there something in your life that appears good that isn't leading you to God? Like Abraham, God, isn't calling, uh, God is calling us to put those good things on the altar and just surrender to Him. And it doesn't just happen one time in your life. You know, it happens for me, it probably happens every three weeks, you know, just coming to a place of surrender. Let's be real. We can sometimes get a little bit off course. It's not necessarily you're a bad Christian because you've let these things grow up. It just means, hey, get back on the altar. Start walking that journey, that three-day journey that Abraham walked to the mountain where he said, hey, I'm going to surrender again. I'm going to start at square one at the cost of everything. You know, would you be willing to place some things on the altar? When we, when we trust God um, and even lay our good things on the altar, He will give us even greater things. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Um, I don't know about you, but I sometimes am a control freak. And so for me, I feel like I need to pull in all these good things into my life and make things work. And when things don't necessarily click, I'm like freaking out because I don't have these things and I need to try and make it work. But 
in our lives, this verse says we just need to follow God. And if we seek first the kingdom of God above all else, above those good things, then God will actually provide the things that we need for that. God will actually put those things into place. And so you don't need to try and make your purpose work. You just need to follow God. You know, you don't need to try and make your ministry or whatever you do, whether you're placed in a job and, and the people, your colleagues are your, your ministry. You don't need to try and make that work. You just need to pursue God. Um, and as you do, He will provide the things that you need for that. You know, God wants to do great things through you, but it may come at, your, at the cost of your good things. And uh, point number three is that in your unknown, breakthrough is unleashed. You know, just like I was saying before, how much do we freak out when we're not in control and things don't happen and we just need to feel like we need to make it work? You know, Abraham had three days of unknowns, three days of, of walking this journey with his son and not really knowing what was going to happen, but just trusting in God. And just like, could you imagine the questions that would have been bouncing through his head? You know, if I do this, I, will I lose everything? What, what will happen? Like, will I get another son? Will I get another chance at this? Will my wife still be with me if I do this? I don't know. Like, that's a real question. You know, how will I emotionally recover from this? Yeah, Abraham arrived at the place of trusting God above his understanding. Now, would we just arrive at a, a place of just trusting God above our own understanding? Not trying to make it work. Not trying to hold on to things tightly, but just being able to risk and step forward into whatever God's calling you to do. You know, there are people in this place that they, some of you already know what God's placed on your heart for your life, but these steps to get there are sort of scary and it feels like a gap. Like Chris talked about last week, um, our calling, you know, the, the, the gap between stepping out and seeing the results can sometimes be daunting and it's a bit of like an unknown. When we step out into our faith and, and beyond our own understanding, we don't necessarily see the results straight away. But um, I love this. Do you ever think that maybe the reason that God isn't giving you the full picture, that God isn't giving you the full picture in order for you to step out, maybe He's trying to build trust between you and Him. Maybe He's trying to build some trust in you. And so if there is a gap in your life, if there is an unknown, then that is just an opportunity for you to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you above my own understanding. Um, how often yeah, do we just freak out and questioning things? I would have been, if I was Abraham, I don't know if I would have arrived at the mountain um, because we can just freak out. I can freak out in that gap period, in that unknown. But it's when we trust God and put our faith in Him that the breakthrough is unleashed. It's like if you're going to hold your hands on tight to something, then you have no way to hold on or open your hands up to receive something even greater. And in the unknown, we can get so tight with our hands. But God's just calling us to, hey, risk it. Risk it. Risk not holding on to that thing anymore. Risk not having that thing so that I can give you something else, so that your hands are open to receive something else. You know, I was at, um, I was at Youth Alive. I think it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, we were involved, Dan, Kels, Ash and I were involved in like sort of leading the conference and that was a lot of fun. And it was earlier on in the day that I had, there was this session where they, um, I can't even remember what the session was about to be honest, but there was just this one moment at the end of the session where they got you to pair off into two people and just say, hey, um, what are some things that you just need to air out, that you just need to say and, and just work on and that 
you know, it's something that God's probably on your heart. And I said that um, I just felt like God was saying, if I take all these good things from your life, would you still trust me? You know, if, if these good things didn't exist, you know, getting married in a couple of weeks, graduating, um, you know, all, all these blessings and blessings and house and, and job and if church and all these great things that are going on, if they were taken away and I was left with nothing, would I still trust God? And that's what God was saying to me in that moment. And I was just being honest that, hey, that's a big question. And I think I would arrive to the place of, all right, I'll trust you, God. And so, you know, finished that session, went on throughout the day. And it came to the final session of conference, the night session, the big one. And Ash begins feeling a little bit sick. Um, she actually has like heart palpitations and she can't stand up. And she's feeling faint. And so I get a message from her saying, I don't feel well. I go visit her. And, um, you know, we decide that it's probably the best idea to go get checked out at hospital. Um, but so I sent Ash and Gemma, um, went to hospital. Uh, Gemma took her and I stayed at conference because I had to sort of do stuff. And I walked back into the worship session of the night, of the night session and um, said goodbye to Ash, sent, like, sent her off and, and went back in. And I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me in that moment and say, hey, if that was the last time you said goodbye to her, would you trust me? Like, would you still follow me? Would you still seek me? And I don't usually have thoughts like that in my head. I'm a very practical, pragmatic man. I'm the, I'm the person to be like, everything's going to be all right. Just, it'll be fine. It's just a normal thing. But in that moment, the voice was, hey, would you still trust me if that was the last time you said goodbye to her? And that really hit me in that moment, the fullness of what it actually means to risk it in order to follow God. And so I went back in there and I just sat down and it was, I was just like really emotional. And so Ash Williams, one of the Youth Alive directors, comes over and she notices. And without knowing too much about the situation, she just begins to pray for me. And, and as she's praying for me, I just arrive at this point of like, all right, I can feel it. I can see it. I can imagine what it would be like to lose everything and just follow God. And at that moment, I'm just, I was just like, you know what? Yes, I would. I know deep down in my heart that I would follow God if I lost everything at the cost of everything, at the risk of everything, I would follow God. And then at that moment, Ash begins to actually prophesy. And she said, hey, God wants you to know that he's got Ash's heart. He's got angels around her and she's going to be okay. Um, and just to trust in him. And that was just like, at that moment, it was like the biggest release of just like peace over my life. Of like, just knowing that my alignment is right. I'm heading in the right direction because I'm like I was willing in that moment to lose everything in order just to follow God. And because of that, there's a breakthrough that happened through me that can then be released to other people. 